The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So welcome to another episode of the Instructor Podcast. And today I am joined by the delightful Ray Seagrave. Thank you for joining us, Ray. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you, Terry. Thank you for inviting me and I'm really excited to be here. No, it's great to have you on. You were someone that I kind of stumbled across, if you like, during when I was recording season one of this show. And I'm like, I won't wait on, I won't wait on. But I've got season one planned. Now I've got to wait all the way to season two to, to get him on. So uh, I'm pleased I've got you on at long last. So I'm going to start you off with a, the thing that I like to ask everyone. So rather than me introduce you, I like you to introduce yourself because I know I like to know what, what matters to you. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. So tell us a bit about your background and about what you're up to now. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, I think my background's probably very similar to a lot of ADIs and PDIs um, that are listening. Well, I started about 11, 11 years ago, and I was uh, I was in a job that I must say was quite well paid at the time, but um, as a manager of, of staff, but wasn't very fulfilling. And my kids were growing up. I was losing uh, I was losing time with them, and I, I was looking around for something that would help me to achieve some personal goals plus see more time of time with my children so I decided to take a change and I was looking for something that um, could uh, pay the mortgage and also mean that I could spend some more time with my kids because I was missing them I thought well I can drive I've been driving for probably almost 25 years at that time um, I've done a lot of mileage I've also driven abroad so I had that in my mind so I thought yeah well I've, uh, I've been an okay driver uh, someone in a previous life said to me Ray, I think you would be a good teacher. I don't know whether they're trying to get rid of me, but um, um, I sort of considered that at the time because I never really thought about myself as um, as someone that would um, be good in that particular area. So this came about and we decided, um, my wife and I at the time, that um, we wanted to foster children. So that gave us an opportunity to spend more time with our own children and uh, and give something back to uh to some unfortunate kids that were in a weren't in a um, as good a place as anyone would normally think, and uh, I gave up my day job as it was. And um, um, but before I did that, I started some training, and um, and then I decided, oh, I was a bit worried about it because I thought, well, I've got I've got a mortgage to pay here. You know, it's a bit of a leap of faith, and I'm, I'm sure there's there's people listening that um, would you know would um, sympathise with that. I had to trust trust myself. Um, but I, I knew that anything that I go into, and this is anything in my life, I've always tried to be the best that I can be. Not the best, but the, the best that I can be. But never gone into anything without that 110% commitment, you know, which is why I've been the sort of person that I've looked around for the best trainers. I've been the sort of person that looks around for the best opportunities. Um, and if you think about my own particular learning style and the type of the type of person I am, um, I'm very much a reflector. I, I, I seek out, um, I seek out um, knowledge and understanding before I, I make a decision. Uh, I would say my life's changed a lot more now. I think I tend to make more decisions with with my heart rather than my head. Um, so I, I delved into the world of driving tuition, and I was so pleased that I, I did that because it, it lit a, a fire inside that um, I um, I really um, has lasted me like an everlasting flame uh, it's always been there and and that fire of of passion and wanting to wanting to really help others not just achieve but 
give them help them to achieve something that means not just short-term goals you know things like um well i extra mobility or i can get here now i can i i can get uh, a better job better job prospects but make the sort of changes in their life that it did for me when i learned to drive so i became that driving instructor with a bit of trepidation at the time but then found out that i enjoyed every single bit of it but i went into it um thinking that uh, i wanted to do the best i really could for my pupils so i was very passionate about that and i'm i'm sure there are lots of people listening that can relate to that um um because uh, i wanted the best for them so that was way back then uh, it was about 11 years ago uh, and it was through um i qualified through the old uh, pst's the old part 3 system um which uh, was a different system we have now of course um and uh, after about 6 months i wanted to give the job up well you might say well why is that well um i thought the training that i'd received at that time uh, was to pass a test and i thought that the old pst system the preset tests the old part 3 as it was um was very prescriptive and it wasn't like any training that really i'd been um i'd been involved in before which um from my background was uh, more of a coaching type background uh, i was a, I, i really discovered that actually i was a coach um and uh, i subsequently went on and um and did courses around coaching prior to becoming a driving instructor so so i i had to think long and hard about what my future was and i deliberated on it for for a long time you know because like, like i said to you earlier I, I, i'm going to commit to something it's got to be 110% and then i started to look around i said well this can't this can't be it you know the, the way i've been trained is very prescriptive it's here's a brief um you tell your pupil this you tell your pupil that you then do this you then do that and th- there's very little client centered um training going on at all which is pretty much what i was used to and helping helping people find solutions for themselves you know um which for me was so much more powerful because the learning comes from within you know it comes from within them it's nothing that you prescribe um and that's much more powerful when um when a pupil discovers that they did it rather than you told them what to do so um so i i i didn't look around and i thought well actually there are some changes i can see coming up and um the uh, the D, the dsa at that time were involved in a project a project in europe called the hermes project um and that was really looking into how driver training was delivered all around europe and the D, the dsa were involved in that and there was representation from the uk instructor industry um and um out of that came the hermes report and some recommendations on how the industry should change um so having seen that and looked at that and looked at what training providers were were thinking about and how the changes would come in the industry um that started to excite me again because i saw then opportunities opportunities for change that would mean that the industry would almost like um a tsunami of change um would would affect the industry and push it forward was my view um push it forward in towards the pupil towards the client you know towards the person that um really um needs to be discovering solutions rather than them handed to them um 
because the power of 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 that meant that as trainers now we could start to talk about the things that really did matter which is not that do this and you'll pass a driving test it was more to do with consequences it was more to do with behaviors because you know people can learn to drive but after the driving test it's really our attitude and our behavior and our thoughts and our underlying um, social beliefs and our own personal beliefs that determine how we drive the car and of course my experience told me that only really coaching was probably the best way to do that because the types of questions that would be being asked would really delve deep into a person's character the way that they were and how might they act after the driving test so that excited me i was really excited uh, for the change so i decided to stay i sought out some trainers with that were like-minded and um, i embarked on um, a personal journey of continuous professional development cpds we like to call it um, and uh, i set out to once I was excited by seeing this change at that time, then I thought, right, okay, um, if I'm good at this, <laughs> um, I'd like to train others to be really good at it. I'd like to become a, a trainer trainer, um, to pass the message on further, um, to really have a look at how we could um, deliver that message home about putting the client in the center of things and 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 helping them understand their own personalities and helping them to have a choice effectively they can go down a path that would lead them to higher risk in their driving or with an understanding of consequences they could go down a path that would mean that they would be safer their passengers would be safer and um, people around them other road users would be safer not because you know, because a driving instructor is telling them do this and you'll be safer because the messages that you are talking about touch them you know, touch them in, touch them in their head, and they touch them in their soul. They understand that um, their behaviour and the consequences of that could could be the lift, could, could be the difference between a life or death decision. And you know, for someone that's passionate about about the safety figures, we see, sorry, the um, the KSIs, you know, the, the killed and seriously injured on on today's roads. For someone passionate about trying to see those reduce. Um, and for someone passionate about the person next to you um, and helping them achieve their goals, I think that's, uh, for me, that was a number one focus. Um, so I, um, uh, I, I pushed on and uh, with now a mission. <laughs> so, so my mission was to be, try and be the best that I could be and not be the best because, you know, we were on a learning journey and I know I learn something every day and I'm open to learning new things every day. And that keeps me excited about the future. It keeps doors open and um, it, um, you know, it seeks out opportunities, which is what we're helping our pupils look for every day when we have conversations with them in the car, isn't it? So um, I passed my part three as it was then. I was a grade five um, and I thought, well, what do I need to do to get better? And, and then um, the new standards check uh, came in. So by the time I took my next assessment, some of the changes were being put in place and I was pleased to say that because I was aware of them and and done some personal development um, around coaching uh, I did a BTEC 4 at the time um, and um, I really enjoyed that there was some great stuff in there that I, I took forward into the car 
And um, and then we went through. I went through uh, the first of the standards check, um, um, not knowing really whether how how well I would do, but um, but happy that I was doing the right things. But I was doing the right things for the right reasons. I think when you focus on what the result needs to be, not the result for you. I'm talking about the result for the pupil. Um, when you focus on what what the pupil <coughs> result you're looking for, then your training will ultimately be focused on them, um, which was the essence of what was coming in and the new changes. Um, so then fast forward, um, I've, um, I've uh, spent some time really learning the craft and, and understanding um, five things, which I'll give you a little bit later. There are five things around CPD, which I can talk about that, um, that have really helped me along my journey. And uh, I'd, I'd like to share those with the listeners so we can talk about that a little later, but then pushing on, I decided that um uh, I really wanted to go for um, train the trainer, so um, I wanted to pass those messages on. I became a, an audit registered uh, uh, trainer a few years ago, um, with the view to um, again trying to help PDIs and, and ADIs um, that hadn't heard those messages before or hadn't been trained in a way that would um, uh, maybe trained in the old system or perhaps their training uh, lacks some of the things that, that they needed to deliver behavioral change in the car uh, with pupils, really help them grow their understanding and really the power of what we do. We, we you know, we're so influential. I, 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 sometimes I have, to, I have to tell myself that when we are sat, and sat next to someone, sometimes we can lose the sight that um, we are highly influential um, in terms of our demeanor, what we demonstrate, what we say, how we react, our attitude towards things. Um, all these things are seen by the pupil, but also on a subconscious level, they're taken in. Um, so if we if we deliver what we say we want to deliver, we've got to believe it as well. So I've been I've been an audit registered trainer now for a number of years, and I, I, I really enjoy um, working with ADIs and PDIs in the car. Um, to open up this world of understanding of how uh, how we can help pupils um, really with, for, with life after the driving test in, in in ways that perhaps the pupil themselves don't even realise. So that brings us to today, <laughs> and and this is obviously a highlight of your entire career being on this show. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there's there's a, a lot of things you said that that really resonated there, uh, and I, I want to touch on a couple of points to begin with. Um, that that last one you made there about setting the bar so high and expecting so much of yourself and then potentially never being satisfied. I think that's, I have that as a good quality, but it's also a way of beating yourself up in a way. And and mm. that's something that I struggle with. In fact, there's a quick example for that. Um, I had uh, a guest on on the previous season of the show called Matala Deepakestra, and she'd set a challenge for herself to appear on a hundred different podcasts this year. And she commented on one of my posts yesterday, actually, as we record this, and she told me she'd been on 47 podcasts and I was in her top five. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Except I spent 20 minutes beating myself up that she didn't say number one. <laughs> and I had to step back and be like, no, no, that's great. You're in the top five. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting how you know someone like yourself and, and a lot of people we're never satisfied where, where do you think that stems from that idea of just not quite achieving what you want to achieve even though what you've achieved is phenomenal 
Well, I think, um, but first of all, I see it, I do see it as a positive quality, um, like yourself, but I, it's like, it's like, um, it's like anything. When you become aware of something um, and understand the reasons why, you can then begin to manage it and are quite, you know, and it's a great example because pupils have this in the car, don't they? You know, sometimes a pupil will set the bar high and you may, working on your agenda, in your mind, you might be thinking, wow, this pupil's had a great lesson. Uh, and then uh, maybe you, you're at the side of the road and you, you solicit some feedback, you're asking a few questions and they're on a downer about things. Um, and then you say, to, and then you beat yourself up because then you think, well, why didn't I realize that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so there's, there's, there's learning and there's feedback happening all the time. But um, when I, when I've discussed this with people, uh, particularly people that I'm training, um, I talk about the um, setting a high bar. Uh, it is a double-edged sword, isn't it? You've got, yeah. um, you are challenging yourself to quite a high level, but also um you are you can be frustrated by not achieving but to 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 have to come to peace with yourself about what you've achieved so far is it's great to look back because looking back is a great source of um what's the word it's, it's a great sort of motivation to keep going and to sometimes maybe not set the bar so high to be realistic now when we're goal setting in a car we have these conversations with our pupils don't we you know about um you know about the goal that they're setting and the realistic nature of it and, and um, breaking goals down so i i, I make I, I make no um apologies for setting a high goal what would be um the wrong thing to do i think is set a high goal without um a way to get there yeah and um if you if you break that down and work on those goal steps then you're always achieving something and, the, and that one thing you're achieving then makes you one step closer to achieving the wider goal, the bigger goal. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm. Um, I just touched on something else you said previously as well. We mentioned about the preparing the, the, the students for life after the driving test, for driving mm. rather than the test. Mm. And I think that's massive. And that's something that I've, every, I think every, t every lesson I do, I focus more on. Every lesson I do, I come more away from being a test-centric instructor and more about teaching people to drive after. And I was having a conversation with a former student yesterday, um, and she was telling me that like five days after she passed her test, she drove to Scarborough and back. Mm. And she was then telling me that her sister, who passed quicker than she did, but with a different instructor, doesn't leave Bradford. Mm. And I think that really resonates because, again, I'm not meaning to say that guy was a bad instructor, I'm a good instructor, anything like that. But mm -hmm. I think one of those people was prepared and, and trained to go and drive. And mm. the other one was prepared and trained to drive in an area or prepared and trained to, to pass a test. And yeah. I think that's uh, something that really clicked with me talking to her yesterday. It's like, yeah, I felt confident driving to Scarborough. Of course, mm. there was a little bit of nerves, but I felt confident just getting in my car and, and driving to Scarborough. And I thought, how awesome is that? Mm. And that that's the goal. You yeah. know, your test, uh, passing a test essentially gives you a, a document that you can do it legally. It doesn't mm. mean you can actually do it. It means you can do it legally. It's, it's, mm. it's after that. So I just wonder if you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I um, when the driving test was 80 years old, a couple of years ago now, I did a, a radio interview for the local BBC uh, Coventry and Warwickshire radio. And um, I, th I remember saying at the time that um, um, 
they, were, they were talking about how, and we have this, don't we, where, where test pass rates vary across the country. Yeah. And they were saying, well, if a pass rate is higher in one particular place, why won't pupils go there? Um, and I said, well, really, um, what we are preparing our pupils to do is drive safely for life. So whenever, um, when they get, like you say, that certificate that, that enables them to do that legally, that they should have the confidence to be able to drive anywhere. Um, I said that, um, you know, there are people here now uh, listening to this show uh, back then in the, in the radio. And I said that would probably break out into a sweat if they thought they had to drive to London today. And yet there are people pass their driving test in London every day. So um, I think um, the burden and it, for me, it feels like a burden because if, if I'm not talking about life after the driving test, I don't personally think I'm doing my job properly. This is where I'm coming from, um, because it's not about helping a pupil move a lump of metal from A to B and to negotiate the local area. Um, it's about giving them the skill set to be able to take on board their learning to date and be able to apply what they've learned in a new situation and be able to do that safely with a plan A and a plan B um, and to be able to drive anywhere. And the thing that taught me that the most was when I passed, I talked about when I passed my test earlier, uh, a bit of a life lesson here, but I, um, uh, I got that my first job and I was nine, I just turned 19 and my boss came to me and he said, Oh, Ray, he says, um, you can drive, can't you? And I went, uh, yeah, but I've only passed my test a year and I've not driven since then. He said, oh, well, yeah, but you can drive. Can't you? you know, you've got you got a, 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 a license, haven't you? I went, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, I have, yeah. He said, well, could you could you just take this parcel to a customer? I said, well, okay, a bit nervously. I said, well, okay, whereabouts are they thinking they're going to be five miles down the road? He said, um, he said, oh, they're in London. And I went, what, that there, London, uh, about 70 miles away? Um, he said, yeah, you can take my car. And I went, what, that brand new executive car in the car park? So, um, so he said, yeah, you'll be all right. Here you go. Here's the keys. He's obviously in a panic, but that, I did make that trip and, uh, I did, and I remember it and I remember it for how I prepared myself for it, but, but also how I, um, how I really thought about what I was doing. I took the pressure off. It didn't matter if I went the wrong way because I gave myself plenty of time and how I planned the, the route out. And these were, these were life skills that were um, in place at the time that allowed me to do that, do that successfully. Yes, with a bit of nervousness, um, but able to get back safely in one piece. And I don't remember having any issues um, with going with um, doing the wrong thing. I remember going the wrong way a couple of times, but it didn't matter. Yeah, but yeah. and I always have that in the back of my mind because um, since I passed my driving test to, and I worked this out the other day, to the present day, there've been something like 1.4 million people that have been killed or seriously injured. So since I passed my driving test to this present day, 1.4 million people have been killed or seriously injured. How long ago did you pass your driving test? 1983. That was a year after I was born. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's 1.4 million surrounding families that received yeah. some bad news. Um, and that's, um, that's uh, a statistic that I'm quite happily able to talk to a pupil about um, as um, around a consequence. Um, because um, 
Uh, I think we should be having those, definitely having those conversations um, because they help them to, they help pupils make choices, you know, but they've got to be more realistic to them about, you know, where might they go after their driving test? Where might they travel to? Where might they be called to in an emergency possibly? Where do their family live? How often might they make a journey in the, in the evening or the night or in snow or in ice? How might they, how might they do something differently when they're lost? How might they um, behave when someone acts aggressively towards them? Um, how might they behave when no one's looking, when I'm not sat there? How might they behave when their friends are in the back? So these are all conversations that have to happen yeah, because yeah. it helps them prepare them for a driving life after the driving test. Um, a student of mine made a really interesting comment the other day. I, I'd got a temporary car because um, someone had crashed into mine and, and I'd been in the boot and the, the, the boot in this temporary car didn't open all the way by itself, whereas my car does. So it kind of opened halfway. And when I set up, I cracked my head on, on boot and my student just looked at me and went, I know I'm not allowed, but if you had to go to hospital now, I could drive you. And I thought, <laughs> that's really, I like that yeah. you've said that. that yeah. That's what you're training them for. Yeah. It's not to pass a test. And again, I know legally you won't be allowed because he was a you know a learner, but I thought that's I, I don't think I've been as proud <laughs> in that sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish you'd yeah. been a bit more concerned about me, but it, yeah. you know, I was really proud of that. Oh, the the statistic you mentioned there about 1.4 million in, in the last what that'd be 37 years. Yeah. That's yeah. quite daunting. I mean, I, I regularly was the one sort of on average five people a day, five people a day die on. Uh, but yeah. That, that number, I'd not kind of totaled it up like that for the the, the deaths and the serious um, injuries, and that that's quite scary. Mm. Um, but just touching on the other thing you said about students being able to do anything afterwards, and and yes, there'll be some fear and trepidation there, but the ability will be there and the, mm. the, the self-belief. I think there's a – it's finding out sometimes whether you're actually scared or whether you just don't like it because mm. – that that come from a, a self-reflective thing with me. And and I was thinking a while ago about I would I would be too scared to drive around London. I was me as a driving instructor was thinking that. Then then when I thought about no, it's not that I'd be scared. I just don't like the idea of it. It just yeah. looks really unpleasant, you know, mm. driving around there. Yeah. And when you take the fun away, mm. all of a sudden it, it becomes less enjoyable. And I think if you can get your students sometimes to look at thing, is it that you're actually scared of that thing or is it just that it's a bit harder and you won't enjoy it? Yeah. And then that helps them break it down as well. But yeah. the other thing you mentioned there, um, like you mentioned a couple of times was pass rates. And that's something that obviously in our industry gets spoken about a lot. I would be interested on your in your thoughts on pass rates of individual instructors in terms of the... I'm of the belief that my the, the the sort of the national pass rate is is too low in the sense of we we should more than half of people should be passing driving test. If they're not, we're we're doing something wrong there as a collective. I I, I believe that, and I'm contributing towards that as well. Clearly, um, but I'd be interested in your thoughts on pass rates for individual instructors. As in, are they relevant? Should they play a part? Whether that's a part in people getting standard checks put upon them. Um, or, or any kind of monitoring, or is the pass rate for individual instructors almost irrelevant and shouldn't be paid attention to because everyone's different? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. The, the, you know, that the overall pass rate course, not everyone goes with a driving school, do they? Um, and um, so there's um, there's elements of um, private practice and private. Um, I haven't done the numbers on it, so I couldn't quite I couldn't quote your percentage, but there's that in there. Um, I, 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 well, anyone that I train, I, I even you know even when I've trained pupils, um, they're learning to drive. Um, the test has not even been a consideration, you know. Um, the uh, and uh, and it's one of the it's one of the questions that we get asked, isn't it, as as an industry? You know, what's your pass rate? Um, and um, I, um, you know, I tend to think there that it shouldn't be about the test, actually, you know. Um, and I know the DVSA uh, that they need to they need a way of monitoring the industry. Um, so the question would be, well, how else would they do it? Um, but um, and there is a certain amount of monitoring of an instructor pass rate, um, and you know, might they get called back for a standards check and and stuff like that? Um, but um, uh, when I think about tests and I think about pass rates, uh, I, I go straight back to, well, why would you want to worry about them if you're doing uh, a good job um, and you are. Because ultimately, uh, you, you're not doing, are you? It's your pupil that's doing it. But um, the degree to which you're doing well with helping your pupil discover how to um, uh, how to drive safely, but also manage um, their own emotions, um, because preparing someone for a test is also part of it, I think. Um, and um, and there are some people that that fear tests, aren't they? And, and you mentioned fears. Um, this fear of the unknown is one thing that causes anxiety. Fear of failure, another thing that causes anxiety. Uh, the, the pressure that's built up from surrounding people. And they, they all have impact on performance, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah. And um, so as, as good a job as you do with helping a pupil um, learn how to drive safely for life, for life and manage behaviours, you're, you're preparing them for that life after the test. So when, when they go into an area where they're unfamiliar with, yeah, their anxiety is going to go up a little bit, but you know, they're confident that they, they can think and plan ahead. They've got uh, satellite navigation. Um, they're thinking about line signs and information. They're really focused and engaged hundred percent with the road. Um, they're taking their time. They've got a plan B. Um, then, um, then they're all skills that you are, that you are helping them. So when they come to their driving test, then um, they're more likely to be successful and more likely to be successful um, on the first attempt. Not that even attempts is important because, um, you know, um, we can all have a bad day, can't we? Yeah. Even on a standards check or a part three, we can have a bad day in the office. So, um, so we are, um, uh, sometimes I think we are very focused on, on, on tests uh, and pass rates and and that can permeate through to uh, parents and pupils um and um but i understand absolutely understand that the dvsa have to have a way of monitoring um and because they report to the dft you know government body they've um they've got something that they they need to be able to say well this is this is happening here and that's happening there and there's development here and there's a new there's a new standards check coming in here so um that starts right from day one i think in the car so whenever whenever in the past i've been asked about a pass uh, about a, a, pa a pass rate um i've always said well um 
the the uh, objective here you know the goal here is that um you know your son or your daughter um learns to drive safely for life and if i if you know if they and i do a good job helping them do that then they're likely to be more successful on the first attempt um but um if that's not possible then it's going to happen um but um if you want to speak to any past pupils of mine then you, you're more than happy to do that I, I i've got this um I've, I've got this passion about you know it's about what you do um not a pass rate uh, and if you do your job well your pass rate will be you know will be what it is um if that answers your question yeah definitely i think there's uh, a good way of looking at it um i'll you know being completely honest uh, when i first started i was i wouldn't say test centric um i always wanted people to be able to drive after the test the example i gave with my previous student before she was a, a few years ago but um i was more test centric than i am now and like i said as i i'm now starting to see the importance of significance and a lot of that stems from the interaction i have with other instructors whether that's been online or what i've seen written in different forums or whether it's speaking to people at the the test center but i think there's an element there of the so you spoke about the DVSA as well, and they've got to assess it somehow. Mm. So we are getting assessed on our pass rate. There's, there is an element, I mean, not strictly, but there's an element of that there. So I think that we can, like for me personally, I think I will never, unless something changes significantly, I won't be able to remove that completely out of my psyche because I know that someone else is looking at that pass rate. So I need to be aware of what it is in that sense. Yeah. But I also completely concur with what you're saying that if mm. I'm doing my job properly, the pass rate will look after itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's where we anchor things. We have anchor points, don't we? And we can, there, there are positive and negative things the way that we think. And um, it's like um, when, you, when you're helping a pupil um, to uh, prepare themselves for for the big day, as they might, as they might call it, um, and uh, they can anchor their thoughts on some negative outcomes, can't they? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be rubbish. I'm gonna have made lots of mistakes. It's all gonna go wrong. Um, my, I'm gonna panic. Uh, I'm gonna fail. Yeah. Um, but then, um, if 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 they're now in a more positive frame of mind, which is where they're anchoring their thoughts on what's gonna go well and why. You know, what is it I need to do? How is it I need to think? Um, where, if there's a little thing I need to remember to do, um, I need to remember it. Um, I'm thinking more about what I need to do to make things go well, then, hey, presto, they haven't got to worry about what might go wrong because generally it's going to go well. So I think as a focus in terms of our training, if we are focused on um, the pupil, what their goals are, what they want to achieve and how they're going to achieve them, um, we do a really good job there. We don't get any worries about um, being picked up on a pass rate because we're going to be su as successful as our pupils are. And we've helped facilitate that. That's good advice for life as well. <laughs> mm. So I hope you're enjoying this episode. We're just taking a short break for a moment to say thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for supporting the show. If you're enjoying it, I'm going to ask you to do me one or possibly two favours. First of all, go and hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. Give it a like, give it a share on social media. And if you're feeling extra generous, 
go and leave me a nice little five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. The second thing you could do would be to go out and check out our Patreon feed. Now, Patreon is an audio hosting place where I'm putting extra videos, extra audio files, extra written files. So you can go over there and check out all our bonus stuff. That's at patreon.com forward slash the instructor. And you can also find the link to that in the show notes and also on all my social media stuff. So go check out the Patreon feed for all the bonus features like the Green Room, which will be available every week where we cover the latest news around the industry. But for now, let's get back to the show. I'm going to take a slight detour there and go back to something you said very, very early on. And I think I heard this correctly. I've noted it down um, that you you fostered some children. Um, the reason I'm coming back to that is because I, I've i got an awful lot of respect. I'm a, a stepdad. Uh, I don't have any biological children, but I've, I've got a, a stepson who's obviously my wife's son. Um, we can't have children. Uh, we considered fostering for a while, but I couldn't bring myself to, to go down that route. The idea of taking someone in and letting someone go um so i i think someone that can do that i've got the utmost respect and i think that's very very brave i wonder if you just mind in sharing a little bit about that about um how you found that experience i know that's coming away from what we're talking about but i think it's fascinating well um yes and i can understand um but actually it's taught me a hell of a lot um about um this business to be honest and now i'll i can um I'll touch on on that. Um, um, just coming at it from the fostering perspective, I think um, I, given those I know within this industry now, we enter this industry generally because we care. Would you say, Terry? Yeah. Yeah, we care. We're, we're caring people. We care about others and their success. Um, we do this with passion. And and uh, so generally we we are caring people. And And then all of a sudden, this person at the side of us, they uh, we might have had them for a few hours and we've got to know them a little bit. And actually, we're, you know, we're great friends, aren't we? And yeah. um, and for some, it's a, a, a it's almost like a complete cutoff. You know, we um, first of all, had some had a load of hours with Terry. Great bloke. Really got. With, in fact, Terry was my mentor. I'm going to miss Terry, um, but I'm going to take the lessons that Terry taught me and I'm going to try and apply those because um, I've had a great time. And um, I've really learned a lot. Uh, and um, that's the experience with fostering. You know, uh, you go into it with with an outcome in mind. And the the outcome in mind was, and uh, there's other reasons why it's, I'll, I'll touch just a little bit on what else it's taught me about, um, about people. But um, the outcome in mind is that you are going to help this person on the next step in, in, in their life. You are going to give them the tools. You're going to give them the um, uh, the confidence. You're going to give them some ground rules, uh, and you're going to give them some uh, some uh, uh, some background and some some stability um, to help work out problems in the future. To a point where you are you are happy to let them go, so they can then in an, in an excited way go and discover the rest of their life. So there's a little bit of a comparison comparison there. But the big thing, the, the, the big thing that fostering taught me was that um, you should never assume you know about a person. You should. And, and when you get a person you're teaching to drive, 
you don't really know their background. Some of their background they will never ever share with anyone. Never mind, you know, not that they you expect them to, but you know that some pupils will tell you, "Well, I feel a bit, I feel a bit down today. I've just had an argument with so and so," and they'll go into a story, won't they? Um, so, um, um, so I've never assumed anything about anyone. And um, there's, you know, when you go into fostering, there are some really positive things about how people have turned their uh, negative experience around and gone on to achieve some fantastic things in their life. And that's the same in the car. Um, You're in a professional relationship that's safeguarded, you know, and um, you are there to help them. Um, But when you think about rapport and, and developing rapport and trust, there are some people that go through negative experiences in their life will mean that that is very difficult in the short term when they meet you. And I think that's all about being um, patient, being trustworthy um, and um, being consistent. Um, Because if we are to understand uh, in a coaching type relationship in car, and we're asking questions like, you know, what went well, what didn't go so well, what would you do differently next time? For some people that have been used to having um, negative feedback you're stupid. What are you saying that for? You've never been any good. You're never even going to amount to anything. What you're going to say next is going to be wrong. Then it's very difficult. And they put up this wall. They can put up a wall, which means that it can be very tricky to break that down. But in time, they come to trust that you are not going to give that negative feedback. You are not going to be that person that's that's going to be putting them back and putting them down, that you are there to try and help them grow and develop. So whenever I've, um, and I can think of a number in the past of pupils where it's taken me quite a long time to gain that trust. But that T, that T word, trust, is one of the big, big things that will mean that they will give you an honest answer to a question when you talk about how do you think you might drive when I'm not with you? Um, because it's an honest answer you want from that so you can help um, talk about an attitude that will keep them safe going forward. So it's taught me a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And I mean, just listening to you there, I'm now thinking, maybe I'll rethink my thoughts on the <laughs> foster process. Because you're right, there is a, obviously, some two different uh, levels of extreme, if you like, but there's, there is a similarity there between you know, fostering and learning to drive. You take someone in your car, you take that person on board, you form a relationship a lot of times in, or a bond or like trust, you know, you form a, a mutual trust and a mutual respect and then that person goes. And um, it's always a little bit sad, isn't it, when you drop them off for that last, you know, after the test, you drop them off and then they get out of the car and they're all happy and they're running to see their mum. They don't look back because they're waving the test pass certificate. It's always a little <laughs> bit sad, like, oh, have yeah. fun with the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course it is. And that, that's because, you know, we care. Um, but um, And that's where we've got to say, well, great, I've yeah. done my job. And yeah. now, hopefully, they, they've got a choice now, haven't they? They've got a, a blue pill or a red pill <laughs> if you're into the matrix. Yeah. yeah. They they can choose a certain path and understand what the consequences are around that choice, or they can choose another path. And with the same understanding of consequences, they can now make a better informed choice. And if we do a, no, a good enough job to help them understand what those choices are, just by doing that and having those conversations means that um, they're now going to be, in my view, less risky than before. I'm uh, 
I'm going to go make that as a meme after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, bring it back around to to CPD then, which I know is one of your um, your drivers, one of your passions, if you like. And you mentioned before about the five things that that uh, you're going to mention. But just before we you sort of come back with that, or that might answer the questions actually. Uh, CPD, continue professional development. Um, why do you think that's important? Um, and why do you think a lot of driving instructors, and I suppose this applies for every industry really, but a lot of people don't actually do it or don't want to do it? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a really good question. Um, I, I, when I passed my part three, um, I felt a little bit alone, to be honest. Um, I was sort of set off on a path. There you go. Um, and it can be a very lonely business. Yeah. Um, if that's if that's uh, you know if that's what you choose, um, the, the problem with being out there on your own or alone or not in touch with what's happening with the industry is that quite soon you can be left behind. Um, because um, if there's one thing certain in this in this life in this world is that change will always happen. Um, and um, I've always thought, me personally, I wanted to remain ahead of those changes because then I remained trying to be the best that I could be. Um, I wanted to understand um, how the industry was changing, what new things were coming out, if there were any new things coming out, how my own personal skills might need to grow, develop and change. Um, because um, I had a growth mindset, you know, I had a, um, but I understand, absolutely understand that not everyone is like that. And, um, and that's fine. You know, uh, some people are happy to work for a, um, a franchise maybe, and they will do that job for 10 years. They're happy to um, teach and they're happy to um, pay the franchise fee and they don't want to get involved in marketing, don't want to run their own business. They're just happy to do that and happy to, uh, to, um, to you know, to go the way that they're going. Um, and that's fine. But from a personal development level, um, it can, you can quite easily get left behind. Um, and then when I mentioned earlier, when the changes happened in the industry, we went from the old PST part three system to the new standards check and the new part three followed on after that. It was like a tsunami of change. You know, there was all of us. It wasn't overnight, but um, it felt like it was um, completely different now. And there was a, a, a lot of people at the time needed to reskill, um, get to understand what this client centered thing was all about. Um, and what tools they needed to um, uh, to understand and, and, and pass a standards check or a, or a new part three um, to even get to grips with the new driver and rider standard. Um, so um, if you are running a business, then I think part of your responsibility, which we are, we all run businesses, don't we? Part of your responsibility, I think, is, is to look a little bit into the future to try and understand where, where change might come from so you can prepare yourself for that. Because ultimately, there's uh, as we run businesses, there's an income, um, and um, you know we want to protect our income. We also want to grow and develop. And some of us go on to aspire to, to bigger things like run our own driving school. Um, uh, so being close to the industry, um, just to even go to the occasional um, show. There's the, the big intelligent instructor show coming up in October. Um, I'll be presenting there. So if you want to come along and join me, I'll be happy to see you. But um, uh, shows like that just once a year, just to keep touch base with what's happening, um, I think is invaluable um, because um, uh, it was certainly was um, invaluable to me. You've got a choice then, you know, you can um, decide what's out there, have a look around, 
um, and work out and work out where you are now and and and, and what you need to do uh, to improve. There's nothing like the great feeling after you've passed a standards check, is there? Um, and um, but wouldn't it be great to say, well, that was effortless, rather than I had to do something to do that. I don't think we all should have to do something new to pass a standards check. I think, oh, I think that what we're doing already should far and exceed a passing a standards check. Um, and that's because we we focus on being the best that we can be. Um, not for us. But, um, well, it depends where your passions lie. But my, my passions lie with the end result, the pupil, and their, their um, safety after the driving test. Um, but thinking about we care. Uh, and we care for those people that that leave us, and that's who that's who I'm doing it for. That's who we generally most of us do it for um, to um, to keep abreast of what's happening. But so so I think it's, yes, it's, I think it's important. It certainly helped me in my in my development, and as well as continual professional development, I'd always I'd would also say continual personal development um, because there's um, uh, how our own. Uh, personalities grow and develop and how we're better able to cope with uh, the people that we see every single day that come from different walks of life and with different learning abilities, um, how we can move into SEN or moving to um, drivers with different abilities um, that may be limited. Um, they're all exciting developments and um, with an open thought process as to what where might your own career develop or what might you uh, like to grow and develop into keeping your mind open to personal development and professional development is a, is a great way of uh, uh, of helping you do that yeah i i think i concur with all, all that again and you raised some really interesting points again i think that i'd not looked at it that way before almost keeping your finger on the pulse of the industry and, and seeing where it's going because i remember when i passed my part three to become an instructor i took the old style part three and my initial thing was, right, I'm going to take a year. I'm going to take a year just to settle down, just to be with my students, just to do, not develop, but settle in to being an instructor. And then five months later, I got my standards check and it was the, the new standards check. Mm -hmm. yep. And I hadn't prepared for that. I know that the, the principles are still the same from the old part three to the new one, but it's different. You know, it's, it was different. Mm. And I went from when I passed my part three, from the credit I got over the two parts, I got a five and a six. And then when I went for the standards check, I dropped down to quite a low B. Mm. Um, part of that was because I wasn't prepared for it. Mm. And I just allowed myself to rest on my laurels too much that yeah. that time. And, and that was a, a kick up the backside for me to be like, right, come on, you, you can move forward. And I think that also ties into a little bit what you're saying there around CPD, because uh, whether it's professional or personal development, I think people, including the way I used to be, have have this idea that it's, it's either learning to coach or running your own driving school. You know, it's one, and it's yeah. not. It's so much more than that. Mm. There's so many different Massive. facets to it. So, mm. in fact, I'm going to throw this one out to you as well. What other examples would you throw there? Because to me, reading certain books is is CPD. It might not be, you know, classified as such by the DVSA, but mm. you're still developing. Whether that's a, a an industry specific one or maybe a book on marketing or whatever it is so i just mm. wonder if you could throw some other examples are we there well yeah absolutely i mean if you think about for the nature of your business um 
there's uh, i mean you, you run your own business don't we we all run our own businesses we are you know some of us work for a franchise but we're we're all um self-employed so if if you think about uh how you would grow your business so there's you know development skills in in sales in marketing um even you know facebook marketing um things like uh, social media marketing if that's what you're interested in um and and growing your business using those that those methods is is something that floats your boat um or something where you want to get more understanding of and better at um aligned with what your business goals are because we've got business goals and our personal goals and um, the better we are at achieving our personal goals we're more likely to achieve our business goals yeah so um so yeah anything to do with um you know the, the growth of the business um but then um uh, then uh, then um uh, personal professional development around how we teach our understanding of uh, of of some of the elements that are within the national driver and rider standards i would i would ask everyone that's listening today um have you read them um if you haven't i would encourage you to um because it's from the national driver rider standard that the 17 different competences as a standards check and the part three come out um not that you know, and I'm talking about competences there around, a, you know, uh, around a um, uh, around an assessment. But even that's CPD, isn't it? It's yeah. uh, developing your growth and understanding of what the DVSA are, what knowledge that you need to possess and, and what standard that you need to deliver. And they're in two columns. If you go through <laughs> the National Driver Standard, you'll see it there. Um, so you could go through each of those and just do a little check tick list and think, well, or even I tell you what, let's use a coaching method here. Why don't you scale yourself on a scale of zero to 10 um, and think about whereabouts you are at the moment. If zero was don't know anything about this at all. And 10 was, yeah, 100 uh, percent. I'm, 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 I'm absolutely understand that, deliver that every single lesson. Um, and then you straight away, you'll pick out maybe areas of your own development that you could look at that would make you be a better uh, better trainer um better instructor um a better um uh, uh, better at uh, helping a pupil uh, develop and achieve goals so all the things around the national standards i would um, is all cpd yeah you mentioned you know uh, going to industry just touching base um on the um uh, on the shows that happen there's at least a couple of year so they're, they're definitely worth it. And I know that a lot of those have um, uh, uh, free. Uh, I know I'm doing one in October. But you can come and see me, but we can join a session. That's CPD. Um, uh, or you can take one of the um, courses that are available by by trainers, which I'm one. And I run, um, I run my own courses, which we can talk about if you like. I can give you links for. But um I think that the starting point is, okay, an understanding of where you are now and where you would like to be um, and and where you're strong, what areas are strong and what areas you need to develop in order to um, in order to improve what you deliver, but also um, order to grow your business. Um, so there's industry magazines, that's all CPD. Um and and some of those um, associations also offer uh, courses. So there, when you look around, the, the, there's a lot around there um, that um, that you can that you can choose to do. But I wouldn't leave it until the letter drops through your doorstep. 
the brown envelope that says you're being called for a standards check or a part three. Why would you? Because then panic will set in. Oh, am I ready to do? Well, the the thing is that it ha- it should happen every day. If you can do one thing different than you did yesterday, then you've improved yourself. If you can highlight what those things are, then that's CPD. You are personally thinking about doing something different, doing something better, um, and and then checking yourself. Bit of reflection. How did that go? Did that work with that pupil? What did I do then? How could I do it differently? That's CPD. And if you're reflecting, you're encouraging your pupils to reflect. That's CPD. So um, um, just by just by assessing where you are now and and what your uh, what your goals are and breaking those down and what you need to achieve and develop and grow and improve, you'll highlight some areas that that you can focus on. Some of which you'll be focusing on them every single day, and uh, and that will certainly help with uh, with your development. Awesome, uh, some some great tips there again. Um, but you mentioned before about uh, I think it says five key things around CPD. So I'm intrigued now mm-hmm. to see what these are. Yeah, well, these are five things that I I sort of when I look back at my my career um, in the industry, the five areas that um, that that where I've focused on, they've definitely improved me as a trainer, um, how I've delivered training, how I've helped my pupil achieve achieve goals, um, and if you want to make a note of them, if you've got a pen and piece of paper. Uh, um, the first one, and this is no particular order, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about each one, but the first one is um, listening skills. Um, so, uh, and by that, I mean, um, not just uh, listening with your ears, but I also mean listening with your eyes, you know, so if you think about how much communication that is is given off, not, not only verbally, but through body language, and really, de- I really developed my listening skills. I wanted to know, <laughs> I was inquisitive. I wanted to know why that pupil twitched like that when that particular thing happened. What was the thought process? Um, why did why what caused what caused that to happen? Um, what when a pupil might say something to you about or uh, when you might ask a question, for example, let me give you an example. Um, uh, oh, I don't I don't like this junction. I'd want to know why um why those thoughts are there because um I, I i i compare it like you when you go to the doctors you um the doctor asks you what your symptoms and tries to figure out root cause doesn't he or she yeah, yeah. so by using deep listening skills you're perhaps listening to the symptoms and you're hearing the symptoms but as a trainer you want to try and delve into what might be the root cause um so active listening skills are, are really good you don't want to miss anything and it might it, you'll be quite surprised um, I've been surprised by I'm really when I've followed up on something and I was really pleased I did because it led to a conversation that completely changed the next thing I was going to do in my training because I picked up on something that people had said, something that people had done, and it led me to understand an emotion. It led me to understand a, a behavior, what their thoughts were um, and why that happened. Um, and if I hadn't have picked up on that, then that could have been uh, a completely wrong training path to go down that wouldn't have achieved as much or as quickly. Yeah. So active listening skills. Um, um, Try and spot something you haven't spotted before. Um, Another one, number two, uh, rapport. We've talked a little bit about um, rapport and trust, haven't we? 
and I would lump, I would lump trust in here. Um, and it's those connections that you've got, though that that um, relationship, that professional relationship that you've got in car, where your rapport is sufficiently developed that you're you're able to ask the question and get an answer to the question. Um, and sometimes those questions um, uh, can be right deep inside trying to understand a pupil's thoughts what their thoughts are or what their beliefs are, what their core beliefs are. And um, of course you're an official, aren't you? <laughs> you're, 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 a, you're, a, you're a captain of, of road safety and um, you are, and this is why the, how they might see you. Yeah. Uh, you, you're this person who is, um, you know, is, is all knowledgeable about what's right and what's wrong and what's the law. Um and um, so your pupil may have an opinion about what your opinion is, only because they, they might have even seen that, you know, because of what you might have said. Um, so when you, you know you've got good rapport, when you ask a question and a pupil might respond with, well, you might not think this, but. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Because um, uh, that means that um, the pupil is happy to tell you what they think, even though they think they think it flies in the face of what your beliefs are. Um, and um, so um, really developing that really strong rapport leads to trust uh, and that you're then able to ask questions and they're going to give you honest answers when you ask questions about what's going to happen after the driving test. So how do you think you might drive with your friends in the back? How do you think you might drive when you're late? How do you think you might drive when there's an emergency? How do you think you might drive when um, I'm not with you? Um, when it's thrown it down with rain and you've got to get home in an hour's time and the sat nav says it's going to be an hour and a half. Um, what, what, how might that increase the risk? What might you do? What, what are the consequences? What might you do differently? How might you, um, help that situation. What are your choices? What you could do, and 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 you're only going to get honest answers if you've got trust and rapport. So, uh, so 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 right from day one in this business, I I, I knew that if I needed to get a pupil to to open up, they needed to trust me, which meant that I wasn't going to give them any negative feedback. I was going to be completely non-judgmental about. Um, uh, uh, and they were free to uh, express their opinion that they weren't going to be criticized. They weren't going to be judged. They weren't going to be told what you even thinking that for. They weren't going to be told they're stupid. They weren't going to be told they were wrong. Um, and then that then opened up a whole opportunity of, um, of responses back that really uh, opened up the learning. So rapport, focus on that. It's a good one. Um, the next one I've got is um, uh, the use of intuition. And um, I want to just make a distinction between what intuition is and what assumption is. Um, now, when you assume something, you've already made a decision about it. But when you use your intuition, there's something not quite right, but I'm not too sure what it is yet. Um, but I need to find out some more information to make a decision about it. Yeah. So when you've got a, a nice heightened sense of, of intuition, um, then you are able to pick on perhaps a pupil's emotional state. Something's not quite right with this pupil. They they're not like the were last lesson. I don't know what it is, but I've got this I've got this feeling that you know they they aren't responding the way they are they normally do. And of course, when you get a situation like that, that can lead to a blockage to learning, can't it? 
You know, I'm, you, I'm sure, Terry, you can think of lots of examples when a pupil's got into a car and they just ain't something, something's not quite right. Yeah. Or, or they're doing something and it's not what they would normally do in the way that they would normally do it. So that sense of intuition and tuning into the pupil's emotions and emotional state is important. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. Um, uh, many years ago, a pupil got into a car and virtually everything she touched um, uh, went completely haywire uh, for about five minutes. And um, so I pulled up and I asked her the question, how are you feeling? Is everything okay? And then she burst into tears. And I, I said, oh, I'm sorry, if, is everything all right? Um, and, then, and then she told me that she just had an argument with a boyfriend. So something wasn't right. Uh, and then um, it's about then having a conversation about how she feels about continuing with the lesson to start off with. And, she, and then helping the pupil to what, what I've come to now understand is called reframing them. Yeah. So helping them get them in the right frame um, to, to have a uh, to have a, a not only a driving lesson, but what might happen after the driving testing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so sense of intuition, um, uh, along with your active listening skills uh, and your rapport will mean that you're much deeper into um, into the people's mind uh, and understanding of what they think and what they feel. Um, next one on the list is feedback, open and honest feedback. Going back to the trust in rapport, if you've got uh, if you've got an honesty about, um, you know, they, they trust you, they'll also trust you with your with your feedback. Um, so um, and that you won't find yourself, um, you know, butting heads and having arguments. Um, um, yes, I, I, I'm happy when pupils challenge. Of course I am, because um, I want to understand what their thought process is. Um, so um, and also giving open and honest feedback helps them align themselves with where the standard is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so uh, when you've got trust and rapport, you're able to do that and um, and and accept, you know, and, and seek honest, open, honest feedback. You want your pupil to be honest about how they think, how they feel, what they believe. Um, so um, so you can then um, help them the best way that, that they want the help. Yeah. Um, so open honesty figure this got to be more relevant it's it's more powerful and um it shows more understanding uh, and then the last one i had um that i've uh, that i've highlighted as one of the five is um and one you thought i might mention first and like I said, there's no particular order but um uh, creative questioning yeah uh, when i started um i only had three questions <laughs> Uh, and that's because I didn't realize I didn't, I, I only needed three because the rest of them would come from the responses from those yeah. three. Um, and I was a bit worried that I didn't have this big coaching um, uh, bank of, of questions in my head that I could quite easily recall a, a, a click of a finger and give them a brilliant question. I didn't need it. All I needed was, was honesty. All I needed was rapport. All I needed was a, a good open question to start off with, which was one of the three W's, um, which the first W um, was what's gone well. Yeah. Um, and then maybe was there anything that you thought you could, um, that didn't go so well um, that um, you picked up on. Um, and then the last of the three W's, it was um, what will you do next time? Hmm. So that's all I needed. But, 
Uh, and that's all anyone needs because the, the next question is going to come from understanding the pupil. Oh, I just uh, let's say, oh, what's gone well? Oh, that was absolutely rubbish. But pupils do that, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and why do they do that? Because they used to being told negative stuff. Well, yes, and um, it could be absolutely true. And uh, I think society has got a little bit of to blame on this because we live in a society where we're very test focused, don't we? Yeah. Um, and our, and sometimes the way that our parenting, this is my personal view, by the way, I, I'm not going um, to, I'm not going to back this up, but this is my own <laughs> subjective experiential view. But um, uh, we, we tend to be very uh, test focused, not so much more now in schools, by the way, that's changed and reliably informed, which is great. Um, but, um, um, you know, Parents want us to do well. They want us to get great grades and good results and push, push, push and, and achieve. Um, and um, so that can put a lot of, lot of pressure on us. Um, but um, so when we don't achieve, we tend to go straight for the negative. Oh, that was, a, that was rubbish. I didn't do that very well. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Um, whereas the, the important thing really is to help a pupil understand with your questioning that there's such a lot going well. Yeah. They need a, ba it's a balanced view, otherwise they'll go down a negative spiral. Um, so it's important that we bring, we, we help them bring that out, you know. Um, and um, so, yeah, um, uh, creative and open questions. And then as I, as I developed with my, with my skills, um, I realized that um, I needed to, what I call, um, get to the nitty gritty, Sp particularly when you are setting a goal for the lesson, because um if you've been on any training courses and I learned about smart goals a long time ago, um, but um, you know, if you're setting a really good goal for a lesson, it's got to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and have a time frame wrapped around it. Um, but that S bit, the specific bit of smart, um, if you are asking a question, you really want to get to the specifics, don't you? Um, so if a pupil might say, well, uh, I just don't get it then you want to drill down a little bit. Okay, may I ask what it is about that that you're not quite getting? Well, I, this clutch thing, I just, uh, for some reason, it keeps jumping up. I just like, I don't understand it. And then it's okay, well, what might be causing that? So, well, I don't know. I, is it something to do with how quickly I'm bringing it up? Um, so you're trying to drill down um, to really get the pupil to understand, first of all, what the problem is, but then help them come up with a, a solution and that's when life gets a bit easier for the trainer actually so good good questioning technique is something that no one's born with <laughs> but we but we can develop every day i wasn't born with it um but we can develop every day just by using those active listening skills and um and listening to the pupil's response and not jumping in too soon because they might be thinking about the question you just asked but um but really um helping them discover what might be the issue you you probably know yeah but, but that's that's your agenda you know the pupil by telling the pupil wouldn't that be easy oh boy yeah great but learning's got to come from within and uh, so you're coaching till there's a lack of knowledge and the point they go well i don't know i'm sorry i don't know um there could be a reason why they don't know um and uh, it could be that they don't know or it could be that they don't trust you yet that rapport just isn't developed that they can't trust you with their innermost thoughts yeah so um so uh i would look at look at to try and develop a question every day ask a new question if you can 
um, uh, or, or, or question in a different way. Persevere a little bit, um, and then um, you'll learn that um, you'll learn that uh, sometimes you can find a question that's a key to unlocking something that you never even realised was there, and that's the magic of good questions. I think. Um, so nice open questions are good. Asked in the right place at the side of the road where learning takes place. Practice takes place on the drive. That's brilliant. I'm, I'm going to touch back on them briefly. Um, uh, before I do, actually, I'm going to mention SMART goals because I've got a, a pet peeve about SMART goals. Uh, in the, and I, I appreciate when I say this, a lot of people probably disagree what I'm about to say, but I hate the R. I hate the realistic aspect of SMART goals. I call them mm. SMART goals. Um, yeah. Achievable is fine. A goal should be achievable. But yeah. for me, I'm going to use this podcast as an example. This podcast wasn't realistic. It wasn't realistic that I could do a podcast. In my head, it wasn't yeah. realistic I could do a podcast. It wasn't realistic that I'd get 2,000 people listening. It wasn't realistic I could get people like yourself coming on this podcast. So if I'd have set a realistic goal yeah. in my head, then I wouldn't be doing a podcast. Yeah. So I don't like that. It's achievable. I can do it, yeah. but it's not realistic. I think there's a difference there. And, you know, if, yeah. if we weren't off realistic, we'll never put a man on the moon. Um, <laughs> at least that's my take on it. But but yeah, the, the five things you said that was really interesting because I'm working on all five of those at the minute. It's They're all areas I'm trying to develop in, and I, I think they all interlink. You know, mm. you can't build a rapport with someone if you're not listening properly. Yeah. Um, but... You know, this referring to the podcast again, but this podcast has helped me so much in my listening skills because it's about a conversation. Because I still sometimes feel a bit guilty on on a driving lesson when we spend time talking. You know, I still have that thing where you see other instructors in forums and or um, waiting rooms where they're, they're talking to you and saying, Oh, you're not learning if the wheels aren't turning, you know, you're in all that stuff. Mm. So I still have that nagging in the back of my head that we need to get moving, we need to get moving. But I know that's not the case. You can learn as much, if not more, from the discussion as you can from the actual physical skill of doing it. But doing these podcasts has helped with my learning. The feedback thing is another one I've been working on because, I, being completely honest, I think I'm generally pretty good at giving people feedback. I'm not always great at receiving it. Mm. And they don't, students don't always give you direct feedback. You know, it's often inadvertent. You know, like you mm. said, that you can get the feedback, and that ties in with the rapport. How are they mm. answering your questions? Well, if if they're not answering them openly and thoroughly and clearly, or they're not making eye contact, they're looking away. That's potentially because the rapport's not there. So that's feedback yeah. you're getting back from mm. that student. And the yeah. other thing about the the questions, one thing that I've changed massively recently is I talk less about the past and more about the future. Mm. So when you said. Um, tell me what happened there. Yes, I'll ask that question or, or what, but then I'll also frame it as, like you said, what could be done differently? What would you do differently next time? What would you do next time? Because mm. then rather than just focusing on what you've done, they're mm. focusing on what they're doing. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting the five things you mentioned there um, because they're all areas I'm trying to develop now. So yeah, really Cool things. And I'm just going to tie that into something else, um, which is they're all part, you'll like this, they're all part of an instructor toolkit. You see where I'm going with this now. <laughs> which brings me to my next point, which is you have your, you've heard me mention Facebook groups a lot on this podcast, and I, I both love and love Facebook groups. Um, you have your own Facebook group, which is called the Instructor's Toolkit. 
Just tell us a little bit about that and why that's potentially different from other groups out there. Yeah, I, um, I've been on Facebook a long time <laughs> and uh, it seems like forever, uh, certainly since Facebook's been around. Um, but quite, quite early in my career, I recognised the value of Facebook to, um, uh, to get your message, uh, message across and uh, to connect with people. That was the first reason for, for joining Facebook, just to connect with others. Going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, what I was saying about feeling alone in the industry. Um, it was uh, these Facebook groups for, groups for some PDIs and ADIs are maybe their only contact they have with the industry. So with that in mind, um, when I set the uh, Driving Instructors Toolkit Facebook group up, um, it was um, it was to be different um, and um, different in as much as that it was about CPD, you know, yeah. continuous professional development. And I wanted it to be a learning space for ADIs and PDIs, a non-judgmental learning space where they felt free that they could ask a question as they would want their pupils to ask a question in the car and not feel as though the response is going to judge them. Um, on the understanding that we are all in a different part of our learning journey and um, a each one of our pupils is in a different part in their learning journey and we don't judge um, our pupils against another one do we you know uh, well that pupil's doing better why isn't this pupil doing as, as well that's because we're all individual and we're all on a different stage in that journey so I wanted to create a, spe a learning space um, where where ADIs and PDIs were felt that they could ask a question and not be judged um, and get a, a really nice response that was helpful, um, that um, maybe came from another instructor that was being helpful or another PDI that was being helpful that was on their part of their learning journey. Um, so um, it's, um, it's an invitation um, only group um, and um, it's full of so many like-minded, I'm very proud of it because it's full of so many like-minded individuals that do care that do care about the industry, that do care about each other, um, that do care about each other's learning journey um, and are there to help. And um, there are teachers in there, you know, people from a teaching background, people from a forces background, um, and it's a, a really good group of people. But also um, I set it up um, while lockdown was on um, and um, it, helped, uh, it helped me deliver every single day some um, continuous personal development topics to the group. Um, and as well as that, we've done Zoom training together and um, we've uh, appeared in, uh, in a number of Zoom sessions. So um, it's, uh, I, I wanted it to be different. Um, um, and I think it is. And uh, it's nice that um, people feel that they're able to ask um, some questions and won't be, won't be judged in that way. I'm not saying all Facebook groups, of course I'm not, I'm not saying all Facebook groups um, do that, but I just wanted to create a space where people felt that um, they were open to ask anything and didn't, and didn't hold back. And, 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 and it's great that it's like that. And it gives me a, an opportunity to um, help people, which I love doing. You know, I, uh, I help, I like helping people along their learning journey. And, um, and as, a, as an industry trainer, industry audit trainer, um, I want to help them be the best that they can be. So that's why I set it up. And, um, and um, we're almost at a thousand members now. It's not huge, but um, in comparison to some of the others. But I tell you what, it is focused. It is focused on personal 
development and it's focused on how we can help each other be better than we were yesterday. Yeah, um, I'm in that group and I'm not as active in, in the groups I'd like to be at the minute, simply time constraints, but I have noticed that about yours. There's there's not much waffle in there. Um, <laughs> there's not much, um, I'm going to use the word hate, that word gets branded about a lot, but you know, there's not much vitriol and spite. It seems to be, a, like you said, it's non-judgmental. There's, there's a question or there's a topic raised and people don't seem afraid to actually voice their opinion, which is, is quite refreshing for some of the groups, you know, I'm not going to name them, but as instructors, if we're on Facebook, we all know the groups that you can go in and, and ask questions in the groups. You can't go in and ask questions because you're going to get abuse, abuse thrown at you. Um, Or at the very least massively questioned on why you're asking that question. So yeah, I think that yours is a is a great group for that. And I will post a link for that group in the show notes for this, but it's called the Instructors Toolkit. So if you can't go over and look at the show notes, type in the Instructors Toolkit into your Facebook search bar and you can find it there. So uh, we are wrapping up now. So I'm going to ask you two last questions uh, and ask everyone these at the end of the show. The first one being, what advice or what tip but what piece of advice would you leave to the industry now? You can give one piece of advice. What would you say? To the industry or to the individuals listening here? Um, yeah, the, actually, yeah, let's put it that way. The individuals listening. Um, I would say, um, I would say never judge the person sat next to you. We're all unique and um, try and work on their agenda rather than yours. You might have an opinion you might have, um, you might be making assumptions and be aware that that can be dangerous, but you might have some intuition. Um, but discover, find find some factual evidence around that, um, and um, uh, and really try and understand that um, it's not going to be easy for some pupils that are surrounded by peer groups or they're surrounded by. Um, uh, in training terms, we talk about the high levels of the GDE, the goals for driver education, but surrounded by social groups and maybe parents that have a different outlook and view uh, around safety messages than we have. So um, I would say um, bear in mind that why are we why are we doing this and um, and work with them. Try not to uh, judge them. Try to understand them and help them find their own solutions if not offer one and talk that through with them excellent and then the last question um i'm asking everyone to recommend a book what book would you recommend it can be fiction non-fiction anything you fancy what book are you going to ask us to go away and read oh do you know what i'm not a reader but right. i do have some books um <laughs> <laughs> I um when you look at teaching and learning strategies and we talk about you know the type of pupil you've got in front of you and how they learn best um I, I don't like to pigeonhole people but uh there are a number of ways that people like to take information in and reading's one of them I've never been an avid reader I'm a visual learner so I, I learn by moving pictures mainly I love watching YouTube and clips and stuff like that because that's how I take information in um but um there are in terms of um professional publications that I really like because I can dip into them. Um, so I can I can recommend a couple of those. There's yeah. one that I read recently um, and I dipped into in a number of different areas called um, Anxiety, Panicking About Panic. And it's about uh, Joshua Fletcher. And it really helped me understand um, how 
people suffer from a GAD, which is a general anxiety disorder, how it affects their life and how, how I can understand that better and teach that to people that will have pupils with them that have these um, diagnosed um, conditions. Um, and it's really, it's a powerful self-help book, um, but it's a guide for people suffering with anxiety or, or panic disorder. So I, I dipped into that. Uh, and that, that's useful from a training perspective. Um, and there's one on coaching, which um, is a, uh, by a guy called Christian van Nuremberg. And that's um, an introduction to coaching skills. These are very easy reads, by the way, because I'm not a reader. So, again, these are these ones you can dip into. Um, so I'd recommend um, those two. And um, if you haven't got it already, there's um, a nice book by Jed and Clear Wilmot called uh, Who's in the Driving Seat? Um, I've, I've actually read that. And again, that's another one you can you, you can dip into. Um, and on a personal level, the one book that I did read from cover to cover was a series of short stories uh, about um, uh, the trenches in World War One. And it told the stories of um, each of the surviving soldiers at that time. And I really like stories. Uh, and um, I like the personal stories of um, survival and um and our ingenuity as people to um to get ourselves out of problems um so um i really enjoyed that so i'll leave you with those well as someone that'll read you've left some uh, some interesting books there the only one i've read from that was um uh, who's in the driver's seat which was a game changer for me um mm -hmm. i need to go back and reread that actually because it was it was a real eye-opener um but i'll definitely be giving those of us a look uh so yeah i, I really appreciate you joining us today you, you dropped some real insights and wisdom and you've given us a, a lot of time you may have even beaten chris spencer's record for the longest podcast so far um but where can people find you is there anything you'd like to promote well um well uh, yeah i'm happy for, for me to, for people to connect with me at any point you can message me on first of all you know add me as a as a facebook um friend i'm happy for you to do that uh, and message me with any thoughts that have come out of today um anything around your own cpd that you would uh, like some advice on or some general questions, happy to do that. So you can connect with me on Facebook, on social media. Um, I would also invite you to come and join me um, in the Driving Instructors Toolkit um, and uh, check us out and um, be feel free to ask those questions um, around uh, your own personal development. Um, so there's a couple of ways you can connect with me. If you want to email me, you can uh, email me at ray.cgrave at outlook.com and I'm sure Terry will leave a link in the description. Yep. And once again, um, in terms of uh, any uh, any courses I run, I run courses on uh, on coaching skills and also instructor training skills. Anything connected to the seventeen different competences and the the skills around delivering the driver and, um, the national driving rider standards. Um, I do um, a three day um, three evening session. Um, running on a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday, and they're three three-hour sessions. And we we look at um, we look at the national driver driver standards and the seventeen different competences. So we look at lesson planning, uh, risk management, and um, teaching and learning strategies. And we um, we really get to grips with um, the skills to deliver all of those. So it's about uh, those five things I mentioned earlier: rapport, you know, um, use of intuition feedback open honest feedback listing feedback creative open questions um and that deep those deep listening skills um 
as to in order to deliver the the national standards and then achieve uh, achieve an A. So there's the, the I also run one to one coaching sessions. So I do that via Zoom. Uh, so if you wanted to a um, a uh, conversation with me about what your goals are, where you are now. Um, and um, I can help you look at different areas of your personal development that will help you achieve some of the things you want to set out to achieve. So happy to happy to talk, happy to have a conversation. And um, because at the end of the day, um, I know as good as I am in helping you deliver and be as good as you can be means that we reduce that 1.4 million figure down at the end of the day. Awesome. Uh, yeah, all, all links for that will be in the, the show notes. So you can head over there and click those. Um, I am 40 next year, and one of my goals between, because I'm, I'm 39 in October, so one of my goals between being 39 and 40, I want to work with 40 different driving instructors. Um, so, yes, mm-hmm. I'll add you to that list. You will be on the list Thank of you. that magnificent 40. <laughs> Thank um, you. No, no, really, I, I really appreciate you joining us today, Rich. It's, it's been fantastic having you on, been picking your brains, and you've, you've given us a, a wealth of knowledge and insight there. And if, if anyone listening, um, at the very least, uh, go join Ray's group, because it, like I said, it is informative, it is insightful, it is non-judgmental, but I'd definitely advise checking out uh, Ray's stuff and uh, seeing what benefit you can get from that. So yeah, thank you for joining us today, Ray. It's great having you on. Thank you, Terry, and thank you for the listeners. Thank you. So thank you for listening to the show and thank you to Ray Seagrave for joining me. I'm sure you've got some out of this show, as you will do with everyone. Ray clearly goes into a lot of thought and clearly cares deeply about what he actually does. If you're enjoying the show, make sure that you give it a like or subscribe or a follow wherever you're listening. Share it on social media, share it with your friends. Also, go check out our Patreon feed patreon.com forward slash the instructor where you'll get these episodes early every week and you'll get all the bonus episodes coming up like the green room tez talks masterminds contraflow conversations and much much more but for now stay safe the instructor podcast with terry cook talking with leaders innovators experts and game changers about what drives them Okay, so if you're still listening to the podcast, you've now joined this super secret special segment at the end where you're going to get me waffling on for a minute or me asking a few quick fire questions to the guest. And Ray uh, has been kind enough to join us or stay for an extra few minutes. So I'm going to fire some questions at him now and, and, and just see what his answer to these. So, first of all, I'm going to start off with possibly the most important question of all Ray, dog or cat? Oh, cat. Oh, bad answer. Bad answer. What's your favorite film of all time? Uh, well, that's got to be Saving Private Ryan. Love the first 15 minutes. Amazing. And the stories about the soldiers that struggled on that D-Day was amazing. Excellent choice. Uh, now, I know you said you're not the biggest fan of books, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you have a favourite book? Um, do you have a favourite book? Oh, not that I can recall, no. Okay. Would you ever consider going vegan? I might. Yes, I might. And the world might need to do that soon, apparently what is your proudest achievement in life my two children my two boys my um uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, josh my youngest son just graduated from leicester university with uh, a first honors msc in physics and mathematics he's going to the space industry and he's going to have lasers on a perseverance mission to mars 
Awesome. <laughs> Did not see that coming. Um, and then the last question I'm going to ask you, um, what? give me one goal that you've got for, for the remainder of your life, one thing that you want to achieve uh, going forward. Um, in my current role as a trainee in the driving structure industry, I want to uh, have a, a much broader impact, much bigger impact, so um, we can reduce the number of deaths on the road. I would love that. Brilliant. Well, thank you for staying back to, to give us all your questions. Uh, interesting choices. I like that, except for the dog cat one. Dogs are better. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, uh, every end, end of every episode, I'm going to just chuck an extra couple of bonus minutes for anyone that stays all to the end. And don't tell anyone, you know, don't go and cheat. They've got to stay to the end to find for themselves.